Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. Well, I'm going to read these verses here. I'm going to read Ephesians 3, 1 through 3. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. That's a powerful verse, right? He's talking to us. We're saints, right? And we're faithful in Christ Jesus. Outside of Christ Jesus, we're not very faithful, right? Yeah. I love the, the Lord is faithful, don't you? Because uh, we can always tap into His faithfulness. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we've said this many times. All of Paul's letters began with that, grace to you and peace. He, he really gave the, all the churches that blessing. The only difference we find is when he wrote like Timothy and Titus, uh, he said grace, peace, and mercy. He added mercy to those because they were leaders like y'all are so much trouble. You've made a terrible mistake. Not only do you need grace and peace, but you need some serious mercy working in your life. It's serious, read it. That's, that's what he said. I'm reading between the lines. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with, every, with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. So, um, so I believe, the, this is what I feel. I believe the Lord, this is what I'm, okay, this is what's happening in my life for a while now. God has been helping me to lift my vision beyond here beyond earth he's helping me to see something that I haven't seen before he's helping me you know there's an old song lift your vision higher and you will see the Lord okay if you'll and see what there's I believe there's a calling there's a renewal for us to begin to be people who have a vision beyond where we've been some of us, I think God wants to heal people's vision this morning. I think there's many people, and I've been one of them, who've had mighty visions from the Lord, who've had dreams from the Lord, had God to give me things, to, to, to walk out and see disappointment and to see failure and to see mistakes and to go through times where those things felt dead and they were, I could no longer get in touch with them spiritually. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I hope you do. And so, but recently in the past year or so, God's really been just stirring in my heart. It's almost like God has took a drill and drilled it down into my spirit. That's the way it's felt to me. Like this, he's just born down into me to get me to see something more than I've seen and not be so captured by everything going on here. You hear what I'm saying to you? Because I think we've been captured for a long time. I think we've been captured with all the turmoil in our world. Uh, and when I say captured, that's not a good thing. I'm not saying not being informed and, and knowing what's going on and being curious to, to, to study things and understand things. But when those things begin to capture your heart, only one person has the right to capture your heart. We will fail as believers if something else has a greater grip on our heart than what Paul just said there. 
the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Okay, y'all, we can just go on now, all right? Yes, sir. A A genuine revelation of the kingdom of heaven is more vital than ever because that's the only thing that will not be shaken, that kingdom. And so God wants us to tap into something that's not shook because everything around us is shook. This world is shook. This world is shaking. And, and we have to have something that we can touch with our hearts that will keep us stable and keep us secure feeling and, and know how to tap in to the presence of the Lord and the power of God to be able to, to live here and bring hope into this world and bring answers into this world. Because people are called, the Christians, we believers are called to have answers We've always had that. God's given that to us, is to have answers to your neighbors, have answers to your friends, have answers to, to your workplace. Wherever God puts you is to, to be able to bring something besides what we're being told. We're, we're told all this stuff. There's this narrative that has been developed, but God wants to give us a different narrative to be able to communicate that. I, I went to a wedding last night and. And I told the pastor who did the wedding after it was over with, this guy was kind of funny. He was an aggressive pastor, I'll tell you that. Like he was saying, I was like, ooh, he's way more aggressive. In my most aggressive moments, I'd have never said what he said to that couple, but they probably need to hear it. But I said, hey, man, that was a great ceremony. Well, I just say what I hear. I thought, wow, I've never heard anybody say it like that. I just say what I hear. And in his, in his heart, that's what he was doing. He was saying what he believed the Lord was saying to him. Well, God wants to speak to us and where we can say what we're hearing from him. Okay. Yeah. So, one of the things that the Lord has really, gosh, y'all, this is not, I'm not having fun. One of the things, when we begin to get a renewed vision of the Lord Jesus and his kingdom, you start getting a renewed vision for a lot of things, for your life, for your purpose, for your dreams, and a renewed vision for church. That's really the the, the this biblical way to see things different is we begin to see him And when we begin to see the Lord in a new way, we begin to see life in a new way. We begin to see life in a different way. So the book of Ephesians, the cool thing about the book of Ephesians is there's a lot of cool stuff in this book, okay? One, this is one reason I love it so much, is it's the only letter that Paul, and and some of y'all know this because I've talked about this before. I could talk about this forever, I think. It's the only letter that Paul wrote where he was not addressing a problem. Every other letter that Paul wrote, he was going after something in the churches that was not healthy, that needed to be addressed. Sin or what are legalism, disunity, you know, a political spirit, whatever. He was going after it. But Ephesians is completely different. What Paul did in Ephesians is Paul was describing his vision that he got for God for our lives and for the church. That's what this book is all about. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a blueprint of how what God wants to do with the body of Christ. It's like God's dream. I like the word blueprint because 
I used to do blueprints. I used to work on blueprints. So, and, and in my mind, that's such a great visual. You know, a blueprint, an architect takes a blueprint, and that's how they build, the builders build with it. And so that's what the book of Ephesians, it's literally a blueprint for our lives. And it really, and it really tells us, it gives us a lot of spiritual stuff in the first three chapters. And then in the last three, it gives you a lot of real practical things to do. And then at the very end, it talks about what you're going to face that's going to resist everything he tells you in, the, in five chapters. That there's a devil out there that's still in operation and he's going to try to roar, roar, roar. And you're going to have to deal with him. You're going to have to resist him. Are y'all good? So I'm going to tell you a few things here that might help you this morning. Um, first of all, um, can I use the word blueprint or vision? Which one do you want me to use? Blueprint. blueprint. Your heavenly blueprint is built upon worship. Sustained by it and ends with it. That's my phrase. Because he began the letter said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the whole letter begins with worship. Okay? And so that's the vital thing that the church on this earth is, that's the vital thing we've been placed on this earth to do, to be a worshiping people. If we're not that, we're not anything. Because God, worship is the center of heaven. Okay? And so we have to become worshipers. In fact, this is what Jesus said. John chapter 4. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. In other words, heaven is looking for, for worshipers. And we need to raise our hand and say, we're here, hey, we're in. Whatever, however that works, we're in. We don't know exactly how to do that always. But we're going to try to do it the best we can and hope for the best. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Grace is vital to understanding and building from your heavenly blueprint. Paul used that word grace 12 times in the book. Twelve times. So grace is really a key revelation that we have to walk in. And grace is, is the power uh, to lay hold of these spiritual blessings in heavenly places. If, if we really want to grab hold of what he said, that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, it's going to take grace to do that. You can't do it apart from grace. Are you following this? Are you all bored? Some of you all are looking at me madly. Those people in Chapel Hill didn't treat me like that. They were happy with it. Now, if I did it two weeks in a row, they would probably be aggravated. You know, they'd probably, mm, mm, mm. Yes, sir. The next thing is glory. It's used eight times. So our heavenly blueprint is glorious. That's what he's saying. It's glorious with a promise and potential for kingdom greatness. God has glory for us. And he really wants his glory to rest in us. And I think that song we sang, The Glory of Your Goodness... That's a huge part of God's glory is His good heart towards us. And God really wants us to really begin to experience His goodness more than we already have. And I love what Adam said. He said, I want and show us the goodness we're already experiencing and we're not even aware of. Isn't that be- wasn't that a beautiful word? I thought, wow, that's it right there. Lord, don't let us miss your glory because sometimes the glory... Uh, doesn't come with the weight. Now, we want that weighty glory. We're looking for the day when God's glory hits so hard that we're like the priest back in the day when they dedicated a temple. We're trying to crawl out because we can't, the glory, you know, there's a word glory means weight. There's this weighted presence. There's a manifest presence of God that comes down on people. But there's different levels of that glory, obviously. 
So what we do is we pursue the glory of whatever level God gives us and we rejoice in it and we, be, and we steward it and that opens the door for more glory, right? Just like with anything from God, if we just ignore his little glory, he's going to look at us and say, are you going to ignore my big glory? Or will you take it for granted? Or will you experience it and walk out the door and, not, and, and just keep going the way you came in? Am I talking to anybody? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Eight times glory. In the heavenly places. That's where you get your blueprint from. You don't get it from here. Let me tell you something. You don't get it from somebody else. Churches shouldn't be trying to copy what other churches do. That's stupid. We need to get something from the Lord for ourselves. Now, we can learn from other churches. We can learn from other people. But if we're trying to get a vision and we're trying to get a way to function as a church and we're looking at other churches to try to get that, that's a huge mistake. Who wants that? Seriously, do y'all want that? No, nobody wants that. We want to be authentic. We want to be genuine. We want to be who God says we are, not who God says the best church in America is. You know, am I talking to anybody about that? Because I think a lot of people won't, they'll see, so, oh, that's, and try to implement that. And it doesn't work. How many people? We tried. We tried and found out, uh-uh. You know what I found out is really the best thing you can do is be yourself. You know, and be who you are and let God express himself with who you are because you know, I had a friend one time that was going to start a church, and I asked him what kind of church he wanted to start, and he told me the church, well, this, there's a church down the road, that I want a church just like that. And I said, well, that's just dumb, man. I mean, go to that church if that's what you want. Why don't you do something original? Why don't you do something that's in you? That's not what's in you. You just look at that and like that. I mean, that's the truth, y'all. How many of you in this room are trying to be somebody else? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Everybody tries to do that at some point in time. But like they say, you're a bad version of that somebody else, but you're a great version of you. River life's a great version of river life. Listen, I even told, I've told Matthew and, and, and Ryan both, do not go there and try to copy, emulate what we're doing here. We're not doing franchises. We're not doing cookie cutters. Go there, take the core values, and, but express them in the way they are in you. Let them come out the way they are in you because there's different people. It's a different culture where you're at. It can't look the same. Go be authentic. Don't go like we're going to be another River Life Morphe. No. We want you to carry the DNA. We want you to express that DNA, but it's got to look different. Ryan is not me. Matthew's not me, and I'm not them. You see what I'm saying? I hope you hear me. Well, the heavenly places are important. The other thing is mystery. There always will be mysterious elements to be discovered in our heavenly blueprint. And he used that word six times. Uh, And really, mysteries are really a big part of New Testament Christianity. Jesus said himself in Matthew 13, 13, He has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So we have a life that there's a certain amount of mystery associated with it. And, And our blueprint has mystery in it. And we had to discover that. We had to go after that. We had to be intentional about that. 
A lot of times we get visions and dreams from the Lord and we look at them and think this is the way it's going to look. But the truth is there's a lot of mystery out there in front, in front of your, your, your dream, your vision that you have to work through to really see it come to pass and really find out what that mystery really is. Are y'all good? Yes, sir. Well, let me read this verse here. Those were like some cool, cool words. You know, every one of those words were in chapter 1. Of, uh, you know, chapter 1 of Ephesians tells you the whole book in summary. It summarizes everything. He sum, summarize, and then, you know, what he does at the end of chapter 1, he, he prays a prayer. He prays that they have the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be able to grab hold of what he was showing. All right, let me read this, Acts, uh, Ephesians 1, 9 through 11. This is, I, I hope y'all got that right, right one. Okay, go back. He made known to us the mystery of his will. That's one of the mysteries. That's a mystery of God's will, right? Anybody? Listen, relax. It's okay. God said, there's going to be a mystery around my will. Don't feel freaked out when you don't always know his will and you're, you're concerned about it. He said it right here. There's going to be some mystery associated with this deal. It's freeing. He made known to us the mystery as we are according to his kind intention which he purposed in him. Go to the next one. Oh, this is it. I, thank you for doing that. This is the best version of that scripture there is. It's New American Standard 1995 version, not 2020 version. 2020, they, they dropped the ball on it. They changed it. They changed it. It says, with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth in him. The summing up of all things in Christ. That's powerful. Other trans, the other ones use gather, which is a... Yeah, that's the same. But that word to me, summing up, has this powerful feeling to me. That that's what God's ultimate intention is. That's what God's ultimate purpose is. That's what God is driving at. Is that everything would be gathered up. Everything would be summed up in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm telling y'all, this is a key. This is a key thing for us. And so what, and then he talks about administration, administrating. That's talking about management. You think about our offices. You have administrators that run run the organization, basically. If you've got a good administrator, they can run, run the church. Kristen runs the church. She really does. They, they make everything work. If you don't have a good administrator in your business or somebody in, even in the home, somebody's got to administrate the home. Somebody's got to make sure the bills are paid, the, situa- the mail's taken in. All of that's administration. And what God has called us to do to administrate the vision, administrate, to manage the thing that he wants to, us to see. That's what he wants us to put our hands to. Do y'all, do y'all get that? If when you begin to see that, that there's something God says, hey, I need somebody to manage this for me. I need you to manage the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And if here's the problem. Nobody's managing them, therefore nobody's getting them. If, if our hearts turn to the Lord and have a heart to manage the spiritual blessings in the heavenly place that He gives to us, the things He reveals to us, 
then we will get them. We will tap into them in a mighty way. But if we don't have that heart, if we don't have that intention, it's not going to work. Am I talking to anybody? Yeah, I'm, I'm wishing I was. I'm talking to myself. So I think that's a really important point. I think that verse right there, the summing up of all things in Christ, I'll share a little bit in just a second. That's a very important thing, y'all. That's a very important thing for your life. Your life is not ultimately going to work apart from that. You see, see, somehow or another, somehow or another, we have to have a, a better revelation of Jesus Christ than we have. We really do. We don't, because that's the key thing. That's the, that's the thing that all this is built around. All this, that's the thing that God wants us to be consumed by. Okay. All right. Let me read this other script. I'm going to read it in one in Acts now. And then I'll get to the main one. Everybody good? I got seven, 12 minutes. I better, better put the pedal to the metal, right? Acts 15, 16 through 18. This is James... You know, they're having a big... Well, basically, they was having a big fight, okay, in the early church. They had fights back then, too, right? They had disagreements. Everybody thinks it's terrible when people have disagreements. It's, it's just biblical, man. God gave everybody different opinions and stuff. He just wants everybody to be humble about it. Anyways, you know, what happened was this, okay? Peter goes and hangs out with a bunch of non-Jewish people, okay? Gets them baptized in the Holy Spirit, Gets them to speaking in tongues, okay? And then baptizes them in water, and he goes home, and everybody's mad at him. Is that insane? They're mad. Why did you hang out with those people? You can't. You're eating with these people. Like it was just a big sin to eat with Gentiles, you know? And so they had this big conversation, and this is what uh, James says. This is what he said. After these things, I will. Re- this is he's quoting from the Old Testament. I will return and I will rebuild. Listen, rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it. Y'all know what the tabernacle of David is, right? Everybody knows the tabernacle of David was this. David moved into a castle, a mansion, when he became king over all of Israel, and he felt bad. About it, so he went and got the the Ark of the Covenant, and he put it in his backyard. Took it and put it in his backyard. Listen, where every person on that wanted to could go into the Holy of Holies. Every person. There was no curtain there. There was nothing. And, and David instituted... David was a, an amazing administrator. We tend to think of David as a warrior. But he, if you read Chronicles and all this, he set up all this worship stuff because he knew worship sustained everything. And that's what made David such an amazing guy. Was He was a big worshiper. And so, so he put this ark back there for, so everybody could have a, an encounter with the Lord. That's what he did. That's why the Lord loved David. That's why the Lord identified with David because David's passion was for people to have an encounter with the Lord. David's passion was for people to know the Lord themselves, not through a priest or some person, that they could come themselves and have an experience with the Lord. Isn't that that a, a beautiful thought? That's Old Testament, man. And he was doing that. Okay? 
So that the and this, he says, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name. And so James is saying, then God has it's God's rebuilding this. God's going to do this again, where everybody can get to God, everybody can access God. Everybody. That's what James was. And so he was saying, God has declared he's going to rebuild this and in the earth establish places like David's tabernacle. There's going to be places. And in God's mind, it was the church. In God's mind, in Paul's mind, it's the church. The church is that place. That's where it starts at. And then it can branch out from there to other places, into homes, into businesses, into schools that are run by the Lord and not the government. Okay, so that's what he was doing. That's in, and then it says, says the Lord who makes things known from long ago. Don't you know that? The Lord makes things known from long All right, now let's turn over to Ephesians 2. Is this making sense to anybody? So Ephesians 2 is powerful. Okay, this is the other powerful scripture here. Um, so here's how I got acquainted with I wanted to tell you how I got acquainted with Ephesians 2 this was years ago so we were at some kind of I forget what it was but something you know some event thing and this was when back when Bob Jones remember Bob Jones the prophet some of y'all might not know him but he was amazing and uh, he was there and he said hey Byron what's the Lord been showing you lately I said oh yeah Galatians 2.20 man come on and he said how you're going to Ephesians 2.20. That's what he said. And I was like, what? What's Ephesians 2.20? I don't know what Ephesians 2.20 is. Then I read it and thought, I have no clue what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, what? what does that have to do with Galatians 2.20? So let me just read this. Okay, this, this literally, these verses literally here really are God's blueprint for us. He lays it out. This is the way this is supposed to work. Number one, for through him being Jesus... We both have access by one spirit unto the Father. So that's the first thing. What I just said about David's tabernacle. First thing Paul says is God wants to establish people that know from their hearts that they have access to the Father. That there's nothing. You don't have to go to somebody. You don't have to get a special person to pray for you. Those are, are nice little addendums, so to speak. But you... And I need to have revelation that we can access God the Father anytime we want. That's huge. Because a lot of people don't believe that. They believe it theologically, okay? But they don't believe it in experience. And there's a big difference between having a theology about something and having an experience about something. Because I know a lot of people who have all this grandiose theology about their Christian life and stuff, but they don't have experience in it. And so when they talk, it's empty talk. When they talk, it's pride talk. That's the way it feels to you. It feels like pride talking to you because they think they're saying all this stuff and they believe they're right and you're wrong, but they have no experience in what they're saying to you. Are y'all following me on that? We don't want to be those. Through Christ, we have access by the Holy Spirit to the Father. That's one. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are no longer an orphan. You are no longer left out. You are no longer on the outside looking in. This is key. This, this will change your life. That's what he's saying. You're no longer, you have to know that. And, and again, this all comes through revelation. It doesn't, it doesn't work for you just to read that. 
what works is when, when the Spirit of the Lord enlightens your heart to it. And when He does, everything changes. Okay? You're no longer strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Fellow citizens speaks of the kingdom of God. So there's two things there that, that He wants us to know. He wants us to know, number one, we're part of a kingdom. A kingdom. That's not of this world. That's the first thing he wants us to know. That's vital for us because that's where our first loyalty should be. And the next thing he wants us to know, that we're family. And that we belong to the house of God. Is that making sense to y'all? This is powerful, y'all. This is, this is vision. This is God's dream for us. This is God's dream for us personally and for, for our church. And I think for all churches. Okay. And, Yes, vision and revelation. Come on. Then he says, this is what the one that Bob Jones gave me. Like, what the heck? He had to put it together. To get, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, or really Jesus Christ himself being the chief is what that literally says. Um, so, you know, that means a lot of things. Obviously, it means the foundation of, of, of the Word of God, the New Testament, the Scriptures of the New Testament, even the Old Testament, prophetic books and things. And, but it also means that God wants the prophetic and the apostolic, that he's very interested. And, and at the end of the day, this is what it means. You and I will never bear to build anything of any lasting value in the kingdom apart from the prophetic and apostolic. And that's the truth. And that's why God, since forever in the 80s has been pushing the prophetic so hard to get it back into the church and I think we'll come into a time when God starts pushing on the apostolic more and more I think we're going to see that and a lot of people have issues with that but that's tough I mean seriously you know because we desperately need and that's what Bob was saying to me that day is him being a prophet basically he was offering himself to me to help me learn how to build and he never said, I'm going to show you how to build. I'm going to show you how to do that. Never. But the, a prophet just being around you can impart things to you that you couldn't have otherwise. And I think prophetic, high-level prophetic people who are not necessarily office prophets but are flowing in the prophetic can impart things. And that's why we want to have prophetic in our church. And that's why we need apostolic in our church. Amen? Okay, well, I do like the chief cornerstone thing. Because that kind of gives you a visual. I'm about done. Okay. Is this helping anybody? Yes. Yes, come on. Okay. Okay. Get it together. Get together, right. So I wanted to tell you that the quick, the, the, the dream. I think I've shared it here before. I had this dream one time. I was on a construction site. And, you know, it was the foundation was being dug and, and worked on. That was what was happening. And, you know, if you've ever been on a construction site, you know, they have, they have corners. They put, set up corners of the building, and they have string. I guess they, I don't know, they probably do something more fancy now. This is old, old school stuff. You know, sticks drove into the ground and a string from one end. And there I was with Jesus. It was Jesus. And Jesus was, was working on the foundation and I was like this little boy, actually. And that's the way it felt to me. I was like this little boy because I didn't know what he was doing. I, I was like watching him and everything he would do, I would look at because he would get down and look. 
And I'd get down beside him like a little boy would do with their dad and look. I didn't know what I was looking at. Okay, I had no clue what I was at. But all I knew is Jesus was looking at that. I'm looking at that. And I realized, and that was the dream. We were just there together. And, he was, and I realized what he was doing. He was laying himself because he's the chief cornerstone. And, and what that means in a practical way is everything in the building has to reference to that one stone. And if it doesn't reference, the building is off. It won't be, it, and the building won't bear to stand when the storms come. And, what I, and since those times, I've realized I've had no clue what I've been doing because no man can know, but Jesus knows. And he, what he was trying to do is teach me in that dream. He was giving me an opportunity to impart something to me to learn how to build by putting him in there and making sure that he was the cornerstone because all things are summed up in him. Isn't that powerful, y'all? You know, that's really what God wants us to do in all of our lives, in our homes, whatever you may find, is we, Christ has to be established as the center, as the cornerstone. I love that. Um, and so that's really what I feel like the Lord was showing me is, is for, for us to be like a tabernacle of David, for us to be a place where God's presence literally rests and God's presence is literally felt by people because I'm not looking for a theology about the tabernacle. I'm looking for the experience. I've got the theology. I've got this. But I want the experience and what I feel like God has called us to be. And I have felt this for years. And I've tried to do it for years and failed for years. But I believe God is going, and he showed me this years ago, that all over the earth there will be these places. I've seen just a lot of time, y'all, so this is like the repeat, rerun, where God's presence will rest. And those people in that locale can go like they did at the Tabernacle of David and experience God, have an encounter with God. And I feel like when God was showing me that, it was like an invitation. Do you want to do this? You know? Do you want to do this? And my heart is, I do want to do this. I've been wanting to do it forever. Because that's what God created me for. And that's what God created us. And it's not, like I say earlier, it's not just about a church. It's about us as individuals also. It can be about our homes where people could come into our homes and have encounters with the Lord. You know, is that speaking to anybody? Because this is really, now, but so here's what the problem is. There's this big problem, and I'd be amiss to not tell you the problem, okay? You're going to go through hell over this if you really go after this. You really are. You're going to get, there's a war over this. There is a lethal, that's why when Paul shared all that stuff in Ephesians, at the end he said, oh, this is amazing, this is beautiful, this is awesome. Oh, by the way, there's something that you need to know. You, you better get armored, you, you, because there's some stuff that's going to happen in your life that's going to, and if you're not armored up, it's going to take you down. If you are armored up, you're going to get took down. I, honestly, y'all, listen, listen to this. This I don't want to end on a bad note. This is good because God's good, okay? And God gets us through this. Paul warned Timothy. This is what he said, 1 Timothy 1.18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, 
according to the prophecies. Okay, there you go. There's your prophetic words. Previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. By them. Now, how do you wage warfare with prophecies? Have you thought about, like, well, how is that going to work? I mean, you know, like, duh. You got to say it. You got you to gotta speak what God has put in you. You got to speak those words over your life. You got to speak those words over your kids. You got to remind somebody, in, whether it's the kids or the, or the spirits or, or each other, this is what the Lord said about my kids. This is the word of the Lord over my family. This is the word of the Lord over our church. This is the word of the Lord over our... Whatever it may be, that's how we wage the war. But there is a war, there is a resistance that we have to deal with. And so you're going to go through things that are going to discourage you. And you may go through things that break your heart. I mean, literally, you will be... I mean, we have felt crushed over some of this stuff. But you know what? And, and I went through times where it just, I just felt like a dead man. That's the way it felt to me. It just all felt like a dead, it felt like a dead man to me. You know, because I felt like I lost everything. I felt like I lost everything that was meaningful to me. But I knew that I had to keep going because I knew the Lord didn't tell me to stop. So I kept going the best I could, believing and trusting that God would do something, that God would do, and I was good. Okay, I'm good, Lord, to let it all go. I'm fine with that, Lord. I will let it all go. I don't care about the, you know. I just, you know, I just. But I want to finish this race that you've set before me. You know, I want to finish well. I don't want to hurt my family. I don't want to hurt this church. I don't want to do any of that. I just want to. And so I'm going to keep going and and trust you. And somewhere in the middle of that, the Lord started grabbing a hold of my heart again, and and started awakening me again. Awakening me to what he, why I'm here. And God wants to awaken all of us to why we're here. And some of us may have never even thought about why you're here. But I think God wants to tell you. I think God wants to put something in you, arise something in you. I think he wants to heal people's visions. I'm talking about spiritual vision. I take some healing on my eyes. That would be nice, right? Yeah, amen. I went and got some new glasses the other day. Put them on like, whoa. Oh, no, you need to just wear them a couple of days. You'll get used to them. And I went home. I was driving and my steering wheel looked weird. I thought, maybe that steering wheel looks strange. I could see real good far off. I wasn't sure about the close-up yet. When I got home, I got my iPad. You know, an iPad is a rectangle. You know what a rectangle is? That's how I should. All of a sudden, my iPad was like a trapezium. I thought, what the heck? It got bigger at the bottom than at the top. It just, this is weird, man. I kept adjusting the glasses, and finally I gave up. Like, I ain't doing these. I need to call them and tell them they ain't working. I don't know who messed this up, but I didn't. Well, you know, sometimes your vision needs some different lens on them. Amen. You know, I remember when the Lord delivered me from the orphan spirit. I remember walking in the church and it was like I walked into a new world because all this stuff that I had believed about me and felt was no longer there. It was like I had these new lenses on that I could see things more for what they really were. 
And I had lived my life up to that point, defensive, feeling like I fit in nowhere, literally. You know what, how dumb that is to be a pastor of a church and not feel like you fit there? And feel like you've got to defend yourself and protect yourself constantly because I was so insecure and broken because I was believing all this orphan lies. That was really, and that's why Paul said that in there. You're not, you're not a stranger. You're not a foreigner. You belong here. You're a citizen. God really wants to do that. It's like he wants to give us these lenses where we begin to see things different. See life different. See our family different. See ourselves different. See God different. And once we begin to see that, then he wants to sh- there's more to see. There's more revelation. There's revelation of the kingdom. There's revelation of your purpose. There's more revelation about the Lord himself, about how, how, who he is and what he's like. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com. 